Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. Previously, in the book of Judges, we learned about Gabriel. Actually, we learned about Gideon. In full disclosure, I mix up Gideon and Gabriel. Gabriel, of course, is the angel of the Lord that we meet in Luke. Gideon, however, is one of the judges that we meet in the Old Testament. So I'll try and keep them straight. Gideon, when we meet him, is scared. He, like his countrymen, are in hiding. Why are they in hiding? Because their enemies like to make annual raids to take the Israelites' food and crops and make their lives miserable. We remember that Gideon has an encounter with the angel of the Lord. And when he does, he doesn't believe anything that he's hearing. Why? Because Gideon knows that what this angel of the Lord is calling him, that is a warrior, seems and sounds utterly false. Gideon has a pretty good idea of himself, and he knows that he is no warrior. And the, the prospect or the idea that he would help save Israel from their enemies just is bunk. He's the runt of his family, Gideon is. And his family is the runt of all of the tribes of Israel. But no matter, says the Lord, Gideon is his man and he commissions him to do an extraordinary thing. So God gives Gideon his marching orders. And it is to go up and tear down an altar to the false god of Baal. Baal was a god that the local cultures set aside land for and altars and dedicated their offerings to. This, of course, made God the the jealous God that he is, knowing that this was wrong. But even so, Gideon's own father owned one of these altars. So God directs immediately Gideon to go up to this altar to tear it down and to replace it with an altar to the one true God and to sacrifice a bull on top of it. Gideon finds himself in some hot water or perhaps better said, some deep water because Gideon knows that what God is asking him to do is very risky and significant. So what does Gideon do? He does what a lot of us would do in that moment. He takes a risk, but he modifies it just enough that he can temper the blowback that he's definitely going to receive. He goes at night to do what God asks. He does it in the veil of darkness. He goes up, does exactly what God wants, but not in broad daylight. The next morning, everyone knows what's happened, and it doesn't take them long to figure out that it's Gideon who is to blame. So they want to kill him. Because Gideon has torn down something that's valuable to them. Interestingly, the father intervenes and says, now hold on a second. Don't take this out on Gideon. 
Instead, allow Baal to defend himself. If Baal is angry that his altar was torn down by this guy, my son, then let him take up the battle with Gideon. So they rename Gideon, Jerubbabel, which means Baal's going to take you out. Courage. <laughs> That's what this moment required for Gideon. Courage. And Gideon seems to have just enough of it to do what God has asked him to do. But I can't help but think that Gideon is a whole lot like us or vice versa because how many of us know precisely what is needed, what is necessary, what God has asked us to do, and yet we find the path of least resistance. We find just enough that we can do so that we can feel good about ourselves without endangering ourselves too much. Sound familiar? In an interview with Maya Angelou, the Harvard Business Review asked her what lesson that she learned from her mom that she felt was most important. Maya Angelou said, my mom encouraged me to develop courage. She says, I realize that one isn't born with courage, one develops it. Gideon wasn't born with courage. Gideon developed courage through obedience to the God who was calling him to do great things. Maya Angelou went on in the interview to say, you know, just as if you might need to carry a hundred pound sack of rice, you'd first begin with a five pound sack, then work your way up to a 10 pound or a 20 pound and then 50 pounds. Why? Because we must first develop our muscles to do bigger, more significant, stronger things. Why? Because it would be unwise of any of us to go from lifting nothing to lifting something that big. Why? If we tried, we'd get hurt. Might even hurt others. Which is precisely why God calls us to develop our courage through obedience. Obedience in taking risks in small ways and then bigger and bigger ways. You're not born with courage. You develop the capacity to be courageous. Now, all this is well and fine, but this is not even close to the end of Gideon's story. For with this small victory in hand, Gideon learns that the Midianites, Israel's enemy, has amassed in the valley and they are poised for their annual raid on God's people. And in response, because of the courage that was building in him, the Spirit of the Lord descended upon him one more time. He found to rally his countrymen and others to defend Israel from their enemies. But just as he seems to be rolling, he stops. He's suddenly uncertain. 
He's unsure about his abilities. And that brings us to our scripture passage this morning. It's from Judges chapter 6, beginning with verse 36. Gideon said to God, In order to see whether you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said, I'm going to lay a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece alone, and it's dry all around the ground, then I shall know that you will deliver Israel by my hand, as you have said. And it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he wrung enough dew from the fleece to fill a bowl with water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me. Let me speak one more time. Let me please make trial with the fleece just once more. Let it be dry only on the fleece this time, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Can I trust you? Gideon's not sure if he can. Again, like all of us, Gideon needs continual reassurance. So he puts out the fleece as a way to get God's assurance and to better determine God's will. Gideon tests God, which I must add here, feels risky. What's more, he does it not once, but twice. He knows he's walking a thin line. If you look closely, he prefaces the second test with, now, God, please don't be angry with me, but... He gets an answer, though. God will deliver Israel by his hand, just as God had said. Even though God has commissioned Gideon to be a mighty warrior for God's cause, Gideon's still not sure he can trust God. The water that God is directing Gideon to is deep, and Gideon is not sure he can float. Perhaps the depths of the water that he finds himself in will be his end. Or maybe like Peter in the Gospels, Gideon is wondering if he can do something extraordinary like walk on water. Like Gideon, I believe that God has great plans for you and I. And that we get into real trouble when we think that God only calls Bible heroes or other people to do God's work. Jesus asks us to trust him, to do what he says, and to deepen our service in deep water. You got to give Gideon some credit here. He talks back to the angel of the Lord in last week's story. He asks today, not once but twice, 
for God to reassure him of God's intentions. I mean, the best way I can frame this moment is that Gideon engages in dialogue with God. He makes space for there to be some back and forth. But the question for us this morning is, should we follow Gideon's lead? I'll let you decide if testing God is the best way to proceed when we need some reassurance. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) In another story, in Luke's gospel, we meet someone by the name of Zechariah. Do you remember Zechariah? He was a good and faithful man who receives news from an angel of the Lord, a fellow by the name of, finally, Gabriel. The good news that Gabriel gives to Zechariah is that he's going to be a dad. Even though it seemed impossible, he's going to be a father. And Zechariah reasonably responds with this question. How will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man and my wife is getting on in years. Gabriel, the angel, puffs up and says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Wow. Now, just a moment later, we see Gabriel going to an adolescent girl that's going to bear the Christ child, a young lady by the name of Mary. And it seems strikingly familiar to what we just heard. Mary responds to the angel by saying, how can this be since I am but a virgin? Does she become muted and silenced for asking this follow-up question? No. She gets a pat on the back and an anthem one Sunday during Advent. What gives? Why the double standard? I just don't know, truly. Here's my gospel-inspired advice, y'all. Engage in dialogue with God, but do so with humility And proceed with caution. Earlier in the service, we heard the story of an unsuspecting person receiving a commissioning about a fisherman and water and a boat and about what God is asking him to do. You remember, of course, that Jesus tells Peter to let down his nets in the depths. Interestingly, Jesus doesn't tell Peter to take his boat out of the water and to go fish in a river or to sacrifice a lamb for that matter. No, Jesus asks Peter to trust him, to do what he says, and to deepen his work in the location he's most familiar Jesus doesn't tell Peter to go and do something completely and radically different in that moment. 
And likewise, God doesn't ask Gideon to establish an ancient library of sacred texts or to develop a a fleet of shipping vessels to improve the economy for Israel or, or be a prophet who teaches God's word to his people. He does none of those things. Instead, God asks Gideon to deepen his impact right where he's already at. Peter is instructed to let down his nets in deep water, something that he would have been familiar with. And Gideon is asked to be a warrior, a faithful and obedient servant to God right where he is. Y'all, in Jesus, God commissions each of us to do something bigger and greater than what we're already doing. Take where you're at and dare to imagine that God wishes for you to do greater things right there than you're doing right now. Your deep water, your depths, is likely not on the other side of the world. It's likely not in another profession or other radical setting. It's likely right where you are right now, just deeper. It's time, y'all, to paddle out of the shallows and into the depths. And paddling out of the shallows and into the depths requires courage. But that courage will be given to us when we find ourselves obedient to the one who calls us to do these great things. I think sometimes we imagine or give ourselves, let ourselves off the hook, so to speak. Because we can't or don't want to imagine that our depths could be anything that we could attain ourselves. But I'm here to tell you that the depths that God is directing you to is right where you're seated right now. And I'm fully aware that for some of us in this space, you're discounting even that suggestion. You're retired, you're thinking to yourself. You're advanced in age. You've done what God has asked you to do. Now is the time to sit back and relax. Well, brothers and sisters, I have news for you. That is not a biblical response. Just ask Zechariah and see if he's able to speak what he'd say to you in response. Let down your nets into the depths. See what you'll catch. Test me, Gideon. See if what I say is true. It will be. For what and who I commission will come to pass. And I will give you the courage to go deeper than you thought imaginable. Push off from the pier. Be still. The depths will hold us up.
It's time to paddle out of the shallows and into the depths. And only you know what those depths are. Well, you and God, that is. And whether you can trust him. Let us pray. God, it's hard to imagine that we're precisely where we need to be. And that where you want us to be is deeper still. God, help us to know what that looks like. Perhaps we need to let more down than just our nets. Can we trust you, God? Will we float even though there's nothing beneath our feet? God, we're, we're genuinely not sure. And so in that way, God, we will take solace in the fact that we have good company <laughs> because there are so many, so many saints and the great cloud of witnesses who have felt just like we do. So give us the opportunities to take the risks we need to take to develop the courage we need to be faithful to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.